creative alienation doesn't come out of nowhere or out of some flaw inside of you, some weakness in your imagination or your talents or your abilities. I really think it's just a natural side effect of trying to live a creative life in this, you know, late stage capitalist world that we live in where everything is framed as a quantifiable commodity and that includes your imagination. But I truly believe that it doesn't have to be that way. Welcome to The Inspirited Word, the podcast for visionary writers ready to stop second-guessing their storytelling and ready to start breathing life and spirit back into their craft. I'm writer and editor Mary Lanham, and I'll be your host and fellow seeker as we rediscover the true power of our work, our words, and maybe even ourselves. Hello, and thank you for being here with me for the inaugural episode of The Inspirited Word. My name is Mary, and I'm a writer, a professional book editor, and I'm the host of the show. And I want to start by extending an especially warm welcome to all disenchanted writers listening today. So, what do I mean by a disenchanted writer? By disenchanted, I'm not just talking about being at that point in a draft where you're just feeling stuck, maybe starting to fantasize about printing the whole thing out and chucking it into a bonfire. (laughs) I think that applies to many of us at many different points in our writing journey, right? But to be disenchanted goes a little bit deeper than that. To be a disenchanted writer is to be seeking something really powerful that's been lost along the way, even if you're not sure exactly what that powerful something is. To be a disenchanted writer, one must first believe deeply in the potential to transform the ordinary into the mythical, the potential to create tangible change in the world through the subtle but seismic powers of your imagination. If you're a disenchanted writer, you're not actually a failure or a fatalist, I promise. You are, at heart, a visionary. You believe that stories are inherently powerful and that storytelling can literally change the world. But I'm guessing that the day-to-day reality of your writing practice has probably become anything but powerful. You might just, for example, spend most of your writing sessions playing Tetris with the same five pages of your draft over and over again, and then ducking away to the kitchen to make another absolutely vital cup of tea. Or at least that's what being a disenchanted writer tends to look like for me. To put it more succinctly, disenchanted writers still have the vision for our work, but we've lost the magic. So if you're a writer with a creative practice that is serving you really well and you have a heart full of hope for your work, I'm genuinely and unironically super happy for you. I hope you have that uh, state of mind forever. But this may not be the podcast for you. So what is this podcast then? Now that we've defined some terms, let's talk about what we're going to do with them. This podcast is not going to be a how-to series on the mechanics of storytelling. Don't get me wrong, writing mechanics will definitely come up. I am an editor at heart, and I think those skills have immense value, so I'm sure I'll be talking about them frequently, but I'm not planning to teach them here directly. And in fact, I'm not necessarily planning on teaching anything directly in this podcast. This is going to be much more of an experimentation and an exploration. 
So I'm not going to be giving you straightforward, simple answers on how to become a better, deeper, more enlivened and inspirited storyteller. I think that's going to look slightly different for everyone who's listening to this podcast. So instead, I'm going to be asking a lot of questions. And as I said, this is going to be a process of exploration and experimentation. It's going to be a way into thinking differently about the mechanics and machinery of our imaginations and how we actually sit down or stand or dictate or whatever (laughs) to tell our stories. It's going to be a journey to uncover new ways of creating our most powerful, most transformative, most necessary stories. So before I go more into who I am, why I'm here, and frankly, why you should trust me to go on this journey with you at all, <laughs> I'm going to ask you to join me in a mental exercise that will help illustrate what I'm getting at when I'm talking about deep, transformative stories. So if you're listening to this episode while you're doing something else, of course, that's fine. I'm often doing dishes and cleaning my kitchen when I listen to podcasts. But just be aware that I'm going to be asking you to let your attention slip into a little bit of a more contemplative place. So if you're doing something like driving, feel free to keep listening, but maybe plan to come back to this part of the pod again in a moment when you don't need to focus your attention on, say, not running into things with large machinery. (laughs) I want you to call to mind a written story that has had a really deep and personal impact on your life. And ideally, try to go back to one of the very first stories that had this kind of an impact on you. So if you were a big reader as a child, this is probably going to be something that you read when you were pretty young, the kind of book that you would maybe like curl up under the covers with a flashlight to keep reading at night when you were supposed to be asleep. Um, If you didn't really get into reading and stories until a little bit later in life, maybe this is going to be a story that you read in early adulthood. But either way, try to go with the first story that emerges now as you're listening to me describe this type of story. Don't overthink it too much. Now that you've got your story, I'm going to ask you not just to call it to mind in the sense of remembering the title or in the basic gist of the plot. I'm going to ask you to really call it into your mind as if your mind were a space. So call this story in the way you'd invite a loved one to step into your living room, to come sit by your fireplace with you, your dining table, wherever you would be if you were having a moment of community and connection with loved ones. Try to create that type of space within and call the story into it to be in that space with you. Now let that story take a personal, relatable shape in your mind. So maybe it's going to look like an especially beloved character from the story. Maybe it'll be a color or a shape. Maybe it's as simple as just a felt sense of being in the world of that story like the experience of a certain smell or a quality of the air. However the story is appearing to you right now, I want you to take a few moments to really feel that presence. Again, the way you might internally feel the presence and nearness of a beloved friend. Share space and breath with the story presence. Know that this story presence is always with you, whether you're aware of it or not. That's why this is the story that came to the surface when you heard this prompt. This story is a being who has cultivated a key part of your imagination and your lived experience. Take a few breaths here to really enjoy the presence of this story being. This story that has been part of you and that you carry around with you so often without even thinking about it. 
Now I'm going to invite you to take this a little step further and to directly address this story being and to thank it for whatever gifts it's given you exactly when you needed them. Thank the story for the possibilities it revealed to you or to the companionship that it offered. You might even want to thank this story for literally helping you grow up when you desperately wanted a steady presence to take care of something abandoned or lost inside of you. Now that you've thanked this story being, I want you to take this encounter yet another little step further and let it respond to you. Ask them a question and see what they say. Or if this is an especially like beloved and cuddly story from very early childhood, maybe give them a giant imaginary hug and let them hug you back. Yes, I am asking you to hug a story. You might be really into this idea, or on the other hand, it might feel utterly bonkers to you. Either way, just give it a shot. See what happens. Interact with this story the way you would interact with a being who can independently respond to what you do, what you say, and what you feel. See what it says to you. See what it does. If you want to take a few more minutes here to hang out with this story, hit pause and do that. I'll wait. If you got really deep into that story encounter, that is amazing. I love that. But start bringing yourself back into a bit more of a neutral headspace. And if you were really having like a great imaginary jam session with this story friend of yours, go ahead and just tell them that you'll hang out again later. But say goodbye to them for now and bring your attention back from that space the way you would after any sort of meditation session or like a deep daydream. So move around, take a drink of water, whatever. You might have found it a bit weird to think of a story this way and to attempt to interact with it as a being rather than an abstract series of ideas and images. Even when we love a story, even when we think of it as being, you know, beautiful or deeply hilarious or evoking any sort of deep reaction from us, we don't tend to think of them as beings that we are interacting with. And of course, in a literal sense, or more accurately, like a materialist sense, (laughs) stories aren't alive, right? They're just marks on a page or a screen that signify words. But on the other hand, if that's the way you actually interacted with stories, you probably wouldn't love stories as much as you do. You wouldn't be an avid reader. You wouldn't be a writer. You wouldn't have been able to have the experience that you just had interacting with the story in your mind. Maybe that story just said something to you that it has never said before, that's not written on the pages of the book. Maybe it appeared in some form that surprised you, that was illuminating, even though you've read the story itself a dozen times. So I have a question for you, and for myself as well. If we can interact with stories and encounter them in ways that are surprising, unpredictable, ever-evolving, ways that exert tangible change and transformation... Can't stories be described as alive? I know this is a little bit of an odd proposition, and it may even feel uncomfortable or even like uncool to think about stories and writing this way. I know that I often struggle with this feeling of like, I've studied writing so much, I've devoted so much time to the craft, and now as an editor as well. I often have this feeling that the way I approach storytelling always must be professional, and I'm using some heavy air quotes there, (laughs) 
But I tend to feel that my approach has to be more about mastery of certain skills than about the way I'm relating to the story that I'm writing. But I have had a question that I've had to pose to myself a lot lately as I've been struggling with my own feelings of disenchantment. Would I rather be cool or would I rather write a cool story? And for me, the answer that I'm coming to is I don't really care if I'm cool. I know I'm not cool. I would much rather write a cool story. So this is the basis of a lot of the experimentation that I'm wanting to share through this podcast. What happens when we allow ourselves to let go of what we think we know about writing and actually experience storytelling on a deep, visceral, earnest, uncool level? (laughs) What happens when you hug a story? So this is why I suggested calling to mind one of the earliest stories that really had an impact on your life, because these are often stories that we encountered as children. And I think it's easier for us to sort of get into that more fantastical framework when thinking about stories, when we're going back into that place in our memories, right? That place where we more easily believed in different types of reality, different ways of existing, and different ways of being alive beyond the material. So it's a little bit easier to think of a story in that framework when you're starting from a little bit more of a magical thinking part of yourself. But here's a question that I want to pose to you. When was the last time you encountered one of your own stories the way you just encountered that beloved story in your mind? When was the last time you interacted with one of your own projects this way as you were writing it? Have you ever approached your own writing this way? Not as if it were a series of plot issues to resolve or mechanics that you were struggling with and trying to perfect, but as if the story were a presence that you were in relationship with, as if the story were a beloved, as if the words that make up your work are inspirited and alive and not mechanical and dead. So as our first step together on the journey of this podcast, the journey toward the inspirited word... (laughs) I'm going to ask you to explore this core concept with me. What happens when we write in relationship with our stories? When we encounter both our stories and our entire creative process as if it were inspirited and alive? If this sounds promising to you and not too far down that slightly bonkers, a little bit uncomfortable, potentially uncool train of thought, (laughs) then I am really glad that our virtual paths have crossed today. But even if this whole thing sounds promising to you, if you don't know me already, you may be wondering who I am and why you should keep listening to me personally talk about this stuff. So first off, to give you a bit of an official bio, in terms of my cultural identities, I am a queer human. I'm a descendant of settlers in the U.S., And I'm also a recovering Catholic, which I mention because all of these cultural identities shape the way I relate to creativity and storytelling in ways that are probably going to come up in various ways throughout the life of this podcast. As an editor, I work with authors, with publishers, and with game designers, and I have a focus on speculative fiction and spiritual nonfiction. Say that five times fast. And in addition to being a trained professional editor, I've also studied writing as a, as a writer <laughs> in the academic world. So I've clocked quite a few hours in fiction workshops for better or for worse. So having said all of that, 
given that whole professional bio rundown, it might seem a little weird for me to share what I'm about to share, which is that I'm actually not a very good writer. I do need to qualify that a little. I'm pretty good with words, but I am truly deeply bad at the actual activity of creative writing. And I have been for years to the extent that I go through extended periods sometimes of not working on my own creative projects. So I want to pause here just briefly to promise that this pod is not going to be some sort of sob story about my own writing neuroses. (laughs) I know that that would not be particularly interesting or useful to anyone, probably including myself. But I'm talking about this in this first episode just to illustrate a wider point, one that I think is a pretty common uh, thread of trouble for many writers who want to tell deep powerful, dare we say, transformative stories. So bear with me as I describe the core of really my own major trouble when I try to write. Whenever I resolve to get back to my own creative projects, to actually put in the dedication and the often unglamorous time of actually writing a thing, um, I tend to always end up in the same place. It starts out pretty promising, Maybe the time is indeed unglamorous, but I'm always glad to have gotten through my writing sessions and excited for the next one. But then I reach what I refer to as the panic zone. And just as a little heads up, there's going to be a brief mention of some mental health stuff coming up. So if you need to jump ahead just like a minute or so, take care of you, go for it. So what I call the panic zone usually hits around two weeks into a period of working on a writing project, and it tends to happen no matter where I actually am in the draft, whether it's early stages, finishing, revision, whatever. And I'm not talking panic here in the sense of like a frantic energy, a need to, you know, get down the story before I lose it, that type of like almost productive panic. What I'm talking about here is more the bone-deep kind of panic that would be familiar to anyone with an anxiety disorder, something sort of akin to storytelling derealization. The same pages that I was working on last week and that felt flawed but promising now seem to be basically devoid of any sort of internal meaning or substance at all. Sort of like that effect when you say an awkward word a bunch of times in a row and your brain stops believing that it's language, (laughs) but multiplied by every word that I've ever written or will write in the future. This sentence is a debacle. This chapter is a debacle. This draft is a debacle. My entire life is a debacle. Who am I and what the hell is a debacle? This type of derealization panic is very specific to the act of creative writing on my own projects. It's not something that I encounter when I'm editing, which is lucky for everybody involved, right? (laughs) And the trick to being a good editor is basically not to get waylaid by the current draft. It's the editor's job to see the writer's deeper vision underneath the actual words that are on the page, and then to help the writer remember that vision and make it real. So here's the part where my personal experience starts to intersect with the theme or the mission even of this podcast. I realized recently that part of the reason why I'm so much more comfortable in that editorial role is that when I'm working with another writer on their project, helping them with their vision, I'm automatically approaching that work through the lens of relationship. I'm working with another creative 
I'm working with their story, a story that has its own life and potential and possibilities outside of my personal imagination. And I think, honestly, any good editor is working within that sort of container of a living creative relationship, even if they might not use that admittedly kind of woo-woo phrase for it. But when it comes to my own writing, that relational container is often missing. There is no relationship, or at least not an acknowledged one. I wasn't writing from a place of enlivened, collaborative, generative possibility. I have been writing from a place of estrangement, a place of evaluation and often punishing expectations. I was basically coming to the page as if the story were a problem to solve and as if my personal value as a human depended on solving it. So instead of discovering a living story, being in collaboration, in relationship with storytelling, instead I was basically tinkering with something more like a dead wind-up machine. Plot threads bolted to character arcs powered by themes. And again, my point with this podcast is not to dismiss writing mechanics as a useful concept. So thinking about you know, breaking down a story into those parts and seeing how they fit together. That is incredibly valuable, and it's literally my job to help people with that kind of mechanical approach. But the more I reflect on my lifelong relationship with writing, the more I see how it's been stripped of any sort of ghost inside the machine. And I think this is true for so many of us. We've been taught to relate to our creativity and to our stories through this lens of craft rules or productivity hacks or high-pressure objectives that we're trying to meet. But I truly believe that it doesn't have to be that way. Whenever I first feel a story emerging in my awareness, before I've put any words onto the page, it always feels alive. And you can take that figuratively or literally, but I honestly don't know how else to describe it. It's like that initial scrap of setting or the line of dialogue that I'm hearing that's, you know, suggesting that initial sense of there's a character there. It's a glimpse of something larger, deeper, something that's full of its own sense of awareness and agency. I am aware of the story and the story is aware of me. If the language that I'm using here for this experience sounds a little bit spiritual or quote-unquote supernatural, that's because it really kind of is. It's like realizing you're not alone in a room, and it's an encounter. But almost as soon as I start writing, drafting, translating that living encounter with the technical tools of the writing craft, the story starts to feel dead. That's the source of the dread, that that panic zone that I feel getting larger as I come to the page each day. The more I would work, the more clear it was that the living essence of that story, the thing that powered that initial exchange, it had left the room, and I didn't know how to get it back. Getting that sense of life back into the writing process through play, experimentation, and just finding what works, not what seems like it should work. That's exactly what this podcast is about. I've just described my own experience of this sort of dead story phenomenon of how my writing process has become 
more or less fundamentally disconnected from the relational encounter that burst that desire to write in the first place. But I know that my personal experience is not unique. I know that I'm not alone in this feeling of disenchantment. And that means that if you've struggled with a similar flavor of creative crisis, you're not alone with it either. In future episodes, we'll be exploring how we might uncover ways to re-enchant our writing and ways to unlearn those mental frameworks that have stripped the relationship out of our storytelling. Those mental frameworks that have essentially alienated us from our creative wellsprings. And I'm mentioning unlearning as a goal here because creative alienation doesn't come out of nowhere or out of some flaw inside of you, some weakness in your imagination or your talents or your abilities. I really think it's just a natural side effect of trying to live a creative life or do creative things (laughs) in this, you know, late stage capitalist world that we live in where everything is framed as a quantifiable commodity and that includes your imagination. But other ways of creating and being and telling stories are possible. What that actually looks like when it comes to writing and storytelling is up to us. It's up to each of us who want something deeper for ourselves, for our work, and honestly for the world. It's up to those of us who are happy to learn about practical craft skills like pacing, structure, dialogue mechanics, but who are also open to the powerful idea of embracing stories as living, inspirited companions, co-creators, and teachers. In the next episode, we'll be thinking about how the concept of right relationship can be applied to the writing process and can really revitalize a lot of these areas where we get so blocked and tangled and disenchanted. So if you're up for the ride, I'm excited to have you with me. And speaking of the ride, the journey, the podcast, (laughs) it's going to be a little bit more than just a podcast. Starting with episode two, each installment of the Inspirited Word will include follow-up practices, things that can help you actually apply the concepts that we're talking about in the pod to your writing life. So instead of just thinking like, oh, that sounds kind of cool, maybe I could do something with that concept, and then getting distracted by, you know, Zoom calls, the cat, just your life. (laughs) I'll be sharing tools paired with each episode to actually help us apply what we're talking about in our practices. So if you're dreaming of an actual tangible writing practice that's filled with more life, more spirit, more of that deep storytelling magic, hit the link in the show notes to join the newsletter and get monthly inspiration and those supportive practices delivered right to your inbox. Thanks again for being here with me. This is my very first time recording a podcast episode, so I honestly do appreciate whoever is out in the ether listening to this in the future. Thanks for being here with me. Keep well, keep writing, and I'll see you in the next episode.